It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Today on Locked On Dolphins, we take a brief break from our 2023 Prospect Spotlight series to explore the contract extension of tight end Durham Smythe and look at how he fit into the Dolphins' offense last year and what this signing says about the future of the position in 2023. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? It is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, decade-long draft Nick, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes with Joe Marino, podcast dedicated to team building across the entirety of the NFL. And having done a deep dive on tight end Durham Smythe at the request of some of the listeners of the show, we are going to explore in-depth tight end Durham Smythe, who he is as a player, the contract extension that the Dolphins gave him, what it means for the tight end position for the Dolphins as a whole, where Durham Smythe stacks up versus the prospects in this year's NFL draft class, all of that here today on Locked On Dolphins. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So Durham Smythe got a two-year contract extension, uh, which puts him on the team through 2024. The 2025 offseason is where Durham Smythe is currently scheduled to hit the free agent market. This is a sixth-year tight end out of Notre Dame. Um, He has been a consistent figure of this Dolphins offense across two coaching staffs now. He has started 56 of his 79 career games since being drafted by the team in 2018 in the fourth round. Across the five seasons of play in the NFL, he's been targeted 115 times. He's caught 88 passes for 809 yards and three touchdowns. But the receiving production really doesn't tell you the story of Durham Smythe as a player. He's played about 2,400 snaps offensively across the last five years. And he's played over 1,100 snaps on special teams across the last five years. His special teams percentage has dipped in 2022, but largely has been between 50 and 60% of the Dolphins special team snaps, in addition to playing somewhere between 45 and 60% of the Dolphins offensive snaps in each of the last four seasons. So this is a player who does a lot of stuff away from the football. This is not a volume player. This is not a player who commands targets in the passing game. This is a complimentary player on your roster, and the Dolphins did pay him as such. I think that that's something that needs to be established here because they paid him an average of $7.75 million, or uh, excuse me, a total of $7.75 million uh, across the two new years of this deal, 
at $3.875 million per season. That annual average salary of just short of $4 million is currently ranked as the 28th highest tight end salary on an annual average salary basis. So they paid him like a bottom level starter slash a quality depth player. And I think if, if you had to identify what Durham Smythe is for you on a football team, the special teams and complementary role offensively is the right menu of roles to fill on your roster. The challenge is, is Durham Smythe an ideal tight end too? Is he, in the case of the 2023 Dolphins, is he going to be your tight end one? What limitations would that instill? And here's what I'll say on that front. Durham Smythe as long as your definition of what a tight end two is supposed to be is fluid, this can be a very good tight end two for an NFL roster. But when he is your primary player at the position, and make no mistake, from a snap volume percentage, 62% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps in 2021 and 57% of the Dolphins' offensive snaps in 2022. This is your primary tight end. Say what you will about Mike Kosecki. He didn't play tight end. He played slot receiver. So this has been the Dolphins' primary tight end the last two years. And as I have gone through my own player evaluation uh, process with the Dolphins' roster, I've been a proponent of transitioning away from Durham Smythe at the tight end position to the point where, you know, at the beginning of my 2023 offseason blueprint, uh, I would have advocated for moving on from Durham Smythe and revamping the tight end room in its entirety. It's case in point that I am not Chris Greer. And that's okay. You know, we can respectfully disagree. And what I will say is, in the same sense that I said about Elandon Roberts, there is a role on all 32 rosters in the NFL for a player like Durham Smythe. The challenge is getting him into a role that is not asking too much of him as a player. So I did the full evaluation. I did the last four games the Dolphins played. We did, oh, that's not true. I did four of the last five games the Dolphins played. I did the at Buffalo contest. I did the at New England contest. I did home against Jets contest. And then I also did the playoff game. And I watched those four games and I chose specifically to watch divisional contests because from an evaluation standpoint, common versus uncommon opponents is a great way to really gauge a player. Teams know each other better when they have to play twice a year, every year. So at this point in time, the Patriots, the Jets, have had to play Durham Smythe 10 times. The Bills have played Durham Smythe 11 times. And I know it's not quite that simple, but for the sake of this conversation, let's pretend like it is. Ample exposures to each other. And what I ended up doing is I did a player assessment of Durham Smythe. I took the same 10 traits that I evaluated all 11 of the tight end prospects that we did last week on the show, and I graded Durham Smythe on all 10 of those traits, and I included notes. And we're going to work our way through them here on the show. That's, that's part of the objective of today is to walk through who Durham Smythe is, talk about why he got the contract extension, hold him up against the tight ends in this year's class to be able to say, hey, here are the upgrade opportunities versus who this player is. Because I, I don't think from a financial perspective, 
It's not like paying Clayton Fezlund $3 million a season. Durham Smythe is an exponentially more valuable player to the Dolphins roster, even as a tight end two, despite the fact that he's effectively served as the de facto tight end one the last two years, than what Clayton Fezlund was the last three years. So I don't think this is an egregious contract. I think it's a fair contract for what the standard expectation should be for Durham. And now it's on the Dolphins to add more to the tight end room so Durham Smythe is put in the best position to be successful and be the tight end too. As a traditional player at the tight end position. Not the tight end two, but the primary inline guy. I want to talk about the, all the observations that I had on film and studying those four games and talk about why. But before we get there, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are almost here. I believe there's just three games left for most teams across the league, which means now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So how's that for peace of mind? You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three scores, and everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So Durham Smythe, I, I put him through the gauntlet. Did a player evaluation. By the way, this is uh, available for you guys uh, if you're interested in seeing all of the behind the scenes and the notes and seeing all the grades held up against each other, consider joining the subtext community that we are building here on Locked On Dolphins. You could text DOLPHINS to 305-419-3924 to sign up for the subtext. That is 305-419-3924. Text DOLPHINS. Sign up. You get a chance to talk directly with me. Get a chance to see some of these behind the scenes resources, including my full and complete Positional rankings for the Dolphins with Dolphin-specific rating for the 2023 NFL Draft. You can see the multi-year salary cap tool and roster assessment that we have built. Talk with you guys on a daily basis. Send you updates on things we're working on on the show. The subtext community kind of gave me the nudge to say, hey, why don't you put those second, third round tackles on the back burner and tackle Durham Smythe? It's what we want to hear about. So that's what we did. Uh, so four-year consideration. But in that database, I have, in addition to the 11 tight ends that we graded, Durham Smythe is now in here as well with his own respective grades at the 10 position-specific traits for the Dolphins and what is important to play tight end in this system. So the 10 traits that I have, football intelligence, center gravity, versatility, hands, run-after-catch ability, length, functional strength, ball skills, route running, and pass protection. For the sake of sparing you guys from the numbers because I'm not a math guy. Uh, 
let's just say there's five different ways that you can classify a player at each of those 10 traits. They're either elite, great, good, sufficient, or fail. We're going to go through Durham Smythe one trait at a time. For his football intelligence, I, I thought he has illustrated good football intelligence, and I'm just going to read my notes to you guys, and then we can expand on anything that, that kind of needs building out. My notes after watching four games of Durham Smythe in regards to football intelligence. Illustrates capabilities to handle plethora of assignments from different alignments. Illustrates awareness of the sideline and effort to gain extra yardage with body control. Self-awareness of athletic profile and is eager to get north with the football in his hands. And effective angles in space to close on B-level defenders in the run game. We'll talk a little bit more about the run game component of Durham Smythe in general, but that was the biggest thing that popped was the successful plays for Durham Smythe as a blocker, I thought were when he had baked into his pre-snap look, leverage on the play. So if you put him in a nasty split, if you put him in line, I'd hope he's doubling down on a four-eye to climb to a backer because that is a natural strong angle for him to help seal before climbing to a scraping linebacker that is coming into his vicinity. I did think he did a particularly good job in other instances of arc releasing out of an inline stance to go out and get a nickel defender or a safety or potentially a corner, depending on if they had jet sweep and they were adding an extra body uh, as a lead blocker into the run concept to the front side of the run. Those blocks in space and leverage blocks I thought he did a really nice job of setting himself up for success, and the Dolphins moved him around a ton. As far as the center of gravity, easily discarded in stack and shed scenarios against wide nine defensive ends and six techniques. Proportionate mover in space will latch and run through contact on linebackers and safeties effectively and mirror with consistency. Overruns and overextends intermittently at the first point of contact when blocking in space, and easily uprooted against slanting defensive linemen and on down blocks. So from a center of gravity perspective, I thought Durham Smythe moved under control and proportionately where you think about Mike Gusecki at that position. That position, I'll use air quotes. <laughs> um, there'd be these instances where Mike would catch the ball and he would get his eyes upfield, and he would decide, I need to go back inside based on pursuit. But the time that it took him to gear down and try to start back and go against his momentum took so long, there were these instances where he had six yards of cushion when he was catching the ball and turning upfield, and he'd get tackled at the same yard line that he was standing at when he tried to pivot. I think Durham is much smoother, so his center of gravity is a little bit more proportionate. He's not as tall, long, and wiry. Uh, we didn't really talk about his athletic profile in general. But I do have that. Uh, six foot five and three eighths, 253 pounds at the NFL Combine. I ran a 4.81 second, that was 38th percentile. Uh, he had a 31 inch vertical jump, which was 26th percentile. He had a 110 inch standing broad jump, which was 19th percentile. His three cone drill was a 7.1 second uh, three cone drill, that's 46th percentile. Uh, really, the only place that he shined was his 20 yard shuttle, a short shuttle at 4.23 seconds, which was 81st percentile. And that really kind of boils into the ceiling on Durham as a player is, is that from NFL standards, he's a below average athlete, but he's an above average size tight end. So you get this adequate proportioned mover 
that I think moved with control, but in instances in which he's engaged in hand-to-hand combat or he's on the line of scrimmage and blocking equal-sized bodies, I thought he was really challenged at the front side or on the back side trying to run cutoff. Uh, versatility. I classified him, so I classified his total center of gravity as uh, sufficient. I classified his versatility as good because of all the different ways that the Dolphins have implemented him over the last two seasons. Variety of alignments and motions in pre-snap looks was a centerpiece of shift motion ideology in 2023. Uh, Troublesome trends against man coverage is not a passing game threat unless running slice action into the flats or counter punches off of that route concept utilized and asked to isolate in pass protection at times effective as a chip release blocker to wall off upfield push before converting into a check down route. You can find him lined up wide. You can find him in the backfield. You can line, find him at H. You can find him in line. You can find him in the slot. Now, usually when he's out away from the formation, they'll either motion him in or he is cracking on like a, a crack replace uh, to- or crack toss. Uh, would be where you would typically see him when he is not attached to the formation or in the backfield. I think the best quality that he showcased was his hands. Uh, I gave him great, a great grade for his hands. Soft hands often illustrates body adjustments to extend and high point the football and secure it at optimal point. Consistent in effort to haul in passes that touch, test his catch radius. Uh, you think about the the wheel he ran against the Jets where he had to flip open into the boundary and extend and go up high to catch the football. Uh, I thought that was a great illustration of his hands with the strength of his hands through contact to be able to catch the football. I gave him a sufficient grade in run after catch ability, physical frame against smaller defenders and will attack them with his size, lacks a second gear or burst to run away from defenders closing on the catch point, Lacks wiggle or creativity with the ball in his hands. Content to catch and turn north. Maximize open space before contact after the catch. Not a spectacular player. Not necessarily a huge surprise. Uh, you think about Durham Smythe. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to turn north. If a corner's trying to tackle him in zone coverage, he's probably going to run through and pick you up a couple yards and, and earn some hard yardage for you. Um, but not somebody who has the explosive, dynamic playmaking ability at the position. Length was the worst grade that I graded Durham Smythe on. Uh, ninth percentile arm length amongst tight ends since 2000 to come through the NFL Combine. 31 and three quarters inch arm length and 24th percentile for wingspan. That lack of length shows up in a number of ways. And I think the ultimate shortcomings in the areas of Durham's game that kind of cap him as a tight end too in my mind, a lot of it stems back to this individual challenge for Durham as a player. Lack of length is profound against A-level defenders who can punch, press, and shed blocks at the point of attack. That lack of length negatively impacts contact, balance, and weight distribution as an inline blocker. He'll extend over his toes and can be, tend to, can be prone to slipping off of blocks after an effective first punch and initial pop. So it's the sustaining of the blocks, and it's the ability to, to take that initial attack and convert it into actual movement on line of scrimmage. So when we said earlier, when I watch Durham Smythe, what I see is a player whose biggest successes come with angles, and they come with 
releasing into space and getting on second level players. Now he's still prone at times to overrunning those, but his latch ability and sustainability is much better against 230 pound linebackers and 210 pound safeties than it is against a 250 pound defensive line. Just because the vast majority of guys at the NFL level, they're playing consistent snaps, have significant more length than he does. So they have the ability to press, extend, and then discard the block where Durham is not able to maintain control of the block with the lack of length that he has. Because as he tries to compensate for lack of length, the shoulders come forward, his weight distribution and his center gravity and his balance get out over top of his toes. And then as a defensive lineman, if I am stacking and I decide I've identified where the ball is going, I'll use the power in my hands because I have the greater extension skills and discard you and pull you off of your set and then go get the football. And I think you see that with consistency with Durham when he's in in-line blocking situations unless he has angles baked into his initial charge. Functional strength, I gave Durham a sufficient grade in this capacity. Uh, thought he had sufficient functional strength, lacks ideal cutoff strength and to squeeze and collapse against slanting defenders that attack his inside shoulder, was beaten across his face too often by outside alignment defenders at the line of scrimmage despite squeezing into their outside hip and riding them through contact. So if the ball is to my right and the defensive lineman is lined up on my outside shoulder, my left shoulder, so my body just by natural alignment is between the ball and the defender that I'm responsible for cutting off. There have been too many times in my study of watching Durham as the primary inline player. It's a, it's a little different if you're the second tight end because if you're the second tight end and you go to a two tight end blocking surface, you're an extra gap away from the football, right? So the pursuit has that much further to go to get home. And you're not going to be the one who is most consistently put in this situation against the starting defensive end. But I go back to Jacksonville in London in 2021. Fourth and one, final minutes of the game, tie game, Dolphins on the 45-yard line, and they go for it. And Josh Allen, defensive lineman Josh Allen, is lined up across the line of scrimmage from Durham Smythe. And he crashes hard down inside on Durham's inside shoulder. And Durham gets contact on his frame and gets himself framed on Josh Allen's inside shoulder as he is crashing down inside. But Durham did not have the ability to wall that off and wall him into the left tackle and who the left tackle was blocking. And as a result, Josh Allen comes cascading down the line and the running back did not have an obvious gap to hit as he was coming out of the mesh point on the handoff. And Josh Allen gets around the waist and alligator rolls the running back for a tackle for a loss on fourth and one that the Dolphins would turn the ball over on downs. Jacksonville would get 15 yards and kick a game-winning field goal at the end of the game. And Dolphins would lose to Jacksonville for Jacksonville's first win in like 20-something games. It's a perfect embodiment of that observation from Durham that you just wish there was a little bit more strength and control in those kinds of situations. Thought his anchor was absent in pass protection to sit down, although the Dolphins did give him a number of overly ambitious assignments in individual pass protection, especially this past year. I thought he showed sufficient 
uh, ability to run through contact on double teams and is effective on arc releases to capture second level flow and wall off defenders. Most frequently wins as an angular blocker with leverage on the defender that he's been assigned. We have three traits left. We'll zoom through them. Uh, and then we're going to talk about how Durham Smythe actually graded out versus the tight ends in the, in the rookie class. Uh, I gave him good ball skills, good body control to open against his momentum and hinge on placement throws, good high point ability and soft hands, capable of going low to dig throws out that are down and away from his frame. Route running, I gave him a sufficient grade, does not offer burst to test defenders vertically, won't force vertical space on vertical stems, is smooth but not dynamic at the top of route breaks. That's a testament to that 80-something percentile short shuttle, uh, which will not challenge man coverage as a result. Uh, does well to sit down in soft spaces versus zone or shuffle and slide with his quarterback on off-schedule plays to stay available for his passer. That's also a testament to his football intelligence. And per pass protection, I gave him a sufficient grade, effective stance, effective framing of blocks, shows good anticipation of initial get-off from defenders, and slides smoothly to set up for first contact, but he too often catches blows on account of his lack of length and struggles to drop his hips uh, and sit down on blocks although Miami did give him some ambitious assignments in this regard as well, blocking defensive ends uh, in one-on-one -on -one situations. You saw this in both the second Buffalo game and against the Jets, I thought, most prominently. So that's Durham Smythe. That's, that's the actual in-depth player assessment that I gave Durham Smythe. And now we're going to get ready to talk about, as we close up here on this show of Locked On Dolphins, how he stacks against the tight end group in its entirety in this year's NFL Draft. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The roster assessment that I gave Durham, I think he's a quality depth player. I think he's a quality tight end too. My appetite for Durham continuing to be a piece of the puzzle here in, in Miami is predicated around finding a player who has a more prominent trait, either as a pass catcher, but ideally as an inline player, uh, based on what the Dolphins have assembled uh, thus far on their offensive group. Because if you just go through and you identify what word I used to describe the 10 traits, Good, sufficient, good, great are his hands. Sufficient, fail, which was length. Sufficient, functional strength. Good ball skills. Sufficient route running. Sufficient pass protection. Right? Like, where are we going to hang our hat here as a player? And if you don't have that, I'd ideally like you to be a complementary player, not just within the framework of the offense, but a complementary player within your room. And I think that shows itself when you add up the grades and, and the 10 traits are tiered from most important to least important in buckets of, of two or three traits. And there's numerical scores that they were given. And again, you, you can find all this uh, in my 
uh, draft prospect database, I actually put Durham beneath the prospect. So you can see his grades at each of the positions foiled against uh, all of the eligible tight ends. But out of 100 points, Durham logged about 75. 74.8 was his final score. Of the tight ends that I graded, and I graded 11 in this rookie class, there's a lot more than that. We didn't get the Payne Durham, for example, out of Purdue who's probably quite a comparable player in my mind to, to who Durham has become in the NFL. And you acknowledge that Durham with NFL tenure and experience is probably going to be more pro ready to contribute immediately in 2023 than some of these players. But there were eight tight ends that scored higher than Durham Smythe in the rookie class. So again, I think that really drives home. There's still upgrade opportunities here. So long as the dolphins don't feel as though Durham Smythe is the final answer for the position. Darnell Washington, as a point of context, uh, got just short of a 93 versus Durham's 75, 74.81. So that, to me, is a clear and obvious upgrade opportunity. I think there's a number of other players, two more to be exact, probably three more, that offer a blatant, immediate upgrade. There are Dalton Kincaid, who is a little bit more of a, I would describe Dalton Kincaid as comparable as a blocker to what Durham Smythe is now, is his ceiling, but he's much more dynamic with the ball in his hands, and he's a much better athlete. So you're getting an upgrade at two of the three core pillars of the position, right? He's a comparable blocker, not really going to resolve that issue for you. But he gives you more if you want to have that kind of player and have a player who has traits to hang your hat on in the passing game. Sam Laporta. Um, the, the challenge with Sam Laporta as an evaluation is his length is in the same stratosphere as Durham Smythe's. But I think Laporta is a better route runner. I think Laporta has better run after catch ability. Laporta is certainly a better athlete. And his play at Iowa indicates he's probably a better blocker. He had an 85 out of 100, and Dalton Kincaid had an 89 out of 100. And again, Durham had a 75. Michael Mayer is the last one. He received an 82 out of 100. I think that there's um, not an obvious athlete upgrade here, uh, but I do think from a... Passing volume perspective, uh, he's another player who's got comparable length to Durham Smythe. Uh, he's another Notre Dame player. You know the pedigree of those Notre Dame tight ends is super high. I think those four players, Washington, Kincaid, Laporta, and Mayer, are a clear and obvious upgrade even in year one. Now, there's other tight ends that scored better than Durham Smythe. Luke Schoonmaker, Tucker Craft, Brenton Strange, and Davis Allen from Clemson. All four of those tight ends and uh, seven of those eight players got individual deep dives. If you missed that, you can go back and listen to those individual shows that encapsulate effectively what we did here with Durham Smythe. Um, all graded better, but I do think there's, there's something to be acknowledged for Tucker Craft coming out of South Dakota State in year one with his growth needed as a blocker. He might not be a 2023 upgrade over Durham Smythe. But the Dolphins have put stability in that tight end room with this player. Now the question is, who do you want to complement it with? I don't think, especially at, at the 28th highest annual average salary 
at the position. I mean, shoot, Ethan Carter got like $3 million per. Durham got 3.8. I don't think that changes the outlook. I think it adds stability and probably removes some of the sense of urgency of, hey, we're looking at this spot on the roster, not just for this year, but next year, and we really got to figure it out or else we're going to be in some deep doo-doo. I think it removes pressure, but it doesn't change the dynamics of the room that if I'm evaluating the Dolphins' tight ends, I think Durham Smythe, you know, in every, in every capacity other than length, which statistically speaking is ninth percentile of all tight ends since 2000, this is a sufficient level player or a good level player. But there's no difference-making component in any capacity playing the position that makes him, in my mind, a very ideal tight end too. And if that's what you're going to pay him to be, then great, this is a good deal. But you still have to go out and find the player that makes that be the role that you're asking him to fill. And that's my two cents on Durham Smythe. I hope you guys appreciated this episode of Locked on Dolphins. Keep it locked in here on Locked on Dolphins, your team, every day here on the Locked on Network. Fins up, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a great rest of your day. Hit subscribe, come on back and see us again tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday. Talk to you all again soon. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.